NFR Extra follows all your favorite cowboys, interviews legends of rodeo, and talks to the best of country music. Follow Nevada Caldwell, Ryland Bentley, and Steve Godert every week as they delve deep into the stories behind the road to gold in Vegas at the National Finals Rodeo. It's revealing, comedic, and sometimes emotional. Find it on Spotify or anywhere you listen to podcasts. NFR Extra. All dirt, all rodeo, all year. NFR Extra, episode 82. If ever we've had an episode that embodied a TED Talk, this is it. 2020, team roping header, world champ, Colby Lovell, takes us deep into the heart of a champion and what it takes to get there. Why are you yawning? Who's yawning? 3B. I apologize for nothing. Wow, man. So, Rodeo Houston's canceled, huh? Yeah. Yeah. That sucks. After the Fort Worth, Texas experience, that's the best way I'll call it. Houston is more like a California-type structure compared to everything else in Texas, correct? Like Austin is, too, from what I correct. understand. They're very different. Is that Would that be a good assessment? Yeah, 10th largest city in the nation, so it's definitely a, a big to-do. I Yeah, anyways, that, that's just kind of try to understand this whole Houston thing and the impact of that. And But then other rodeos are going off. The, the weird part is, right, you can't move Rodeo Houston to Dallas. Just doesn't work. Mm-mm. I mean, whereas it's a whole Dallas, different yeah. world. That'd be like it's like moving the NFR. You know what I mean? Like or the a Las Vegas rodeo. I feel like it'd be like moving Las Vegas to Salt Lake. You know, last year everything was getting used to whatever it was that was happening with the virus, and there was different adaptions. Hell, we were just thankful to have uh, what was it? Cave Creek was that the first one that we rolled out with? Yeah. That how everything got rolling, and then it just steamrolled from there. I think it's just going to be a very bizarro year when it comes to how we get to the funnel of getting better with everything. You're, you might even see unique rodeos happen that you never thought would happen. I think, you know, I would imagine that Arlington learned a lot from doing PBR, NFR, and what can they capitalize right now as a community by getting other rodeos. Whatever that hole is that Houston just created, supplement that. That's so tight, though, man. They were talking about moving it to May or whatever. I mean, how do you expedite something that quickly and make it just like what you saw with Las Vegas and the NFR? I mean, at least that was months. And then you have something like this to where, you know, you guys have ticket sales. You have this, you have that, you have the accommodations, you have people that know the ins and outs of where the vendors go. And then you put that into another category. And how much can one demographic handle? You know what I mean? Like how many rodeos can Arlington handle? You're going from the NFR to the American. Yeah, I I, I don't know. 100% man. But, well, and you still run into the situation we ran into with convention space. It's going to be in Fort Worth downtown with all your hotel rooms. That's still going to be in downtown. And then you, your big stadiums, depending on how big they need, they're going to have to be in Arlington. You, you still have to deal with that separation where in Houston, you were not dealing with that. It's all on one site. I've learned a lot about rodeo and, and where opportunity always seems to be around the corner for whoever's thinking next and i think that's where rodeo comes in being a little staunchy in the sense of we've we've all know that's an issue but they don't they don't like change they don't if it's don't broke if it's don't broke don't fix it (laughs) rodeo doesn't like change (laughs) like i think that's a serious western thing like if it's don't broke don't fix it like 
or mind your own business mind your own business yeah don't tell don't tell me how to do mine there may be a solution here for the future that you help these things out like if you created these units it's one of the biggest problems i think i've had with the rodeo business is is when you go to these rodeos they're getting strong-armed by you know certain people that are just telling everybody what to do and i think you could clean those things up man i think there's a but hey but it's hard that's the thing it sounds like a great idea but you have to have the the want to on that side i'm just saying the payoff at the end of the day really you know who ends up benefiting two people everybody yeah well and yeah absolutely but specifically the fans and the contestants mm-hmm. you know it elevates the game for both of them uh and, I don't know, yeah, you're right though. that's it you got to have the want to and if it's not broke don't fix it and don't tell me my business because i'm <laughs> the best i hear you go enjoy our conversation with colby lovell Stick around after that for Last Call with Steve and his good buddy, NFR announcer, Andy Seiler. And up next, Ryland's Bull. This is Ryland's Bull, the rodeo news of the week. On February 3rd, the Houston Livestock Show and Rodeo announced the cancellation of the Houston Rodeo competitions, concerts, and entertainment carnival and other interactions and activities, which were recently rescheduled from May 4th through the 23rd due to the ongoing health situations. Your current PRCA standings, Bareback, Taylor Broussard, Steer Wrestling, Jacob Elder, Team Roping Header, Marcus Theriot, Team Roping Healer, Joseph Harrison, Saddlebrock, Cody DeMoss, High down, Caleb Schmidt, steer roping, Cole Patterson, bull riding, Josh Voss. RFD TV's The American at the AT&T Stadium in 2021. The tickets for the American Rodeo at the AT&T Stadium, March 6th through the 7th, 2021, will be limited to 18,000 people and can be purchased at SeatGeek.com. Garth Brook reschedules Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas. Was scheduled for February 27th, 2021. Now will be July 10th, 2021. Every December, the eyes of the rodeo world are on the Wrangler National Finals Rodeo, the world's richest and most prestigious rodeo. And now you can follow the NFR all year long at nfrexperience.com. You'll find information on Cowboy Christmas and the Junior World Finals, unique blogs and content, access to NFR Extra, and much more. With the Stay in the Loop Club, you'll also have a chance to win a trip for two to Las Vegas 2021 for the world's greatest rodeo. Don't get left in the dust. Stay in the loop, stay in the know, and win at nfrexperience.com. Hey, everybody, this is Glenn Templeton from Nashville, Tennessee, joining you live from NFR Extra. Colby Lovell started roping when he was four years old and won his first buckle at seven. When asked how he got into rodeo, Colby says, because his family's been doing it forever. Rodeo and hunting are two lifestyles that often complement each other. One season picking up where the other leaves off. But Colby Lovell calls hunting his greatest weakness towards rodeo. It's something money can't buy, and the hard work and effort he's put into it have taken a lot away from him rodeoing. But it's something that Colby loves to do. He took three years away from pro rodeos and came back with a focus to win the elusive gold buckle. Colby shares his journey back to rodeo and winning his first gold buckle. Colby Lovell, welcome to NFR Extra, sir. Yes, sir. Thank you. Uh, thank you, man. It's, uh, you know, here we are, 2021. 2020 was a uh, 
was definitely a year to put in the record books for about a million different reasons. Uh, we don't need to dive into those details, but let's go right to NFR Texas winning the world title by $500. And correct me if I'm wrong, if that number's somewhere close or far off. It was like 400 and, set, 400 and something dollars. Exactly. So even less. And it was a do or die uh, the last three rounds. It's almost like a playoff system, right? You lose and you go home. What was that experience like from a professional athlete standpoint and as and you being in the game as long as you've been winning the NFR? Man, that being in something like that is uh, – I don't know how to explain it. You rope all year. You roped your whole life. You fantasize. You dream. You rope – I don't know how many times you, you rope the dummy thinking about, well – this is the last year at the NFR. We gotta be, we gotta be five flat. We gotta be four three. We gotta be four two. And then when you put it into perspective, and everything actually comes into a head, and what you've been working at your whole life, every steer you've run, it comes down to one cow. Before you run that steer, you actually can put everything into play, and you think this is what I've been working for my whole life. This is the piece to the puzzle that I need. I just want an opportunity. I would want a chance. And if I get that chance, I don't want to let it slip away. In 2015, same thing happened, and I let it slip away. Well, then this year, and I, I, like, I like humble people, and I like to be hum- around humble people. You have to believe in what you, you do, and you have to believe in yourself and what you practice and your team and your horses. One person might tell you that they don't believe in it. That's not that horse isn't good enough. That team's not going to work. Y'all chemistry. But if you and your team, your partner and your horses, y'all actually have the same beliefs and y'all believe in what y'all do. Eat, breathe, sleep, wake up, do the same thing and work towards a certain goal. That's not a back number. If you've already got back numbers, You've already made the NFR. A person like me that has kids, that's worked his whole life at roping, put everything into perspective. He doesn't want to just have a back number. He wants to make it to the NFR, and I was wanting to win the world so bad that three or four days before the NFR, I would wake up at 12.30, 1 o'clock in the morning and would not go back to sleep. I've thought about it all year. All year long, that's all I think about. When you get to that spot, I remember riding in the box the year before, looking over at Paul, and it was like a sigh of relief. It was like... That's actually what I believe. Put into my mind what I've trained, my horse, my partner, what we've talked, what we've done all year is actually fixing to come down to one steer in front of the whole PRCA, everybody that ropes, your fan club, your family, your friends, everything that you do is fixing to come down to one cow. And everybody that's part of your team gets to join that with you. From your partner's family to your kids, my kids, his kids, his mom, his dad. You never know what you're going to get when you're going to get that chance. The first time I got that chance, I wasn't prepared. And this time, Lord's willing, it was awesome. I was blessed to have that chance again. And I told Paul if it came down to it that last night, I said, if we back in that box, we have to win the round. We're going to do it. After the sixth round, I had it figured where we had to start winning first or second every night. And I told Paul, I said, we can do it. So we've got to build. We got to start. We got to start winning the rounds. We got to start winning first, second. We got to start moving the chains. We got to start getting some first downs. We got to start making big moves. And everything started coming into play. And man, what else can I say? I mean, it was a sigh of relief. I know that I'll be able to, when I'm 40, 50, 60 years old, I'll be able to look back and say that all the work that I put in this whole time roping, all the time away from my kids, my wife competing at the highest level as you could probably compete in it at pro rodeo or 
pro sports and having every element into effect as far as a horse, a steer, the barrier, everything has to be so fine to fine combed that I'll be able to lay down when I quit roping or I stay home and know that I succeeded at what I worked at my whole life. That's been the biggest relief knowing that I knew that I was good enough to not make the NFR, but to win the world. And that was my whole goal this year when this started was if I ever rodeoed again, if I ever went back to rodeoing, I wanted to know, I wanted to put everything into it that I could to have a chance to win the world and not think make the NFR. I didn't, I mean, I never got off path one time. I literally would almost get sick in my stomach thinking about roping at the NFR, waiting for that. It was like patience was a virtue. It's part of the trip. It's part of the road. Calm down, turn the steers. You're not, there's no room for error. The best guy's going to win at the end of this deal. And everybody here ropes great. Everybody here, dang there, say there's a ham, there's a lot of guys that are capable of winning the world. But little things like horsemanship or pressure or just the roll of the dice, having bad luck plays into key. And this year, just everything came together and it was real big for Paul and I. And I will never forget, I mean, I'm forever grateful. Time to take a break, everyone. We will be back with Wrangler NFR champ, Colby Lovell. In Las Vegas, December can only mean one thing. The Wrangler National Finals Rodeo. The NFR is the culmination for the top contestants in the world seeking to share the $10 million purse and the coveted gold buckle. For fans, Las Vegas transforms into the greatest Western party in the world with the NFR experience, which features Cowboy Christmas, the Junior World Finals, nonstop entertainment, custom viewing parties, and so much more. Follow all the action at nfrexperience.com. Great moments, great champions, great memories. There's only one NFR. There is only one Vegas. This is Jacob Edler, world champion steer wrestler, joining you on NFR Extra. Colby Lovell is here on NFR Extra. You mentioned 2015. I believe your first year to the NFR was 2010 was there a big difference in mentality? Like what was the big difference in actually making that 2020 world championship happen? Was there a technique? How'd that play out for you? To be perfectly honest with you, I had to grow up really young. I had to become a man real young. My wife and I had my first son when I was a senior in high school and she was a junior. When rodeo bled into my life and bled into me as far as it took an effect on my livelihood and now I had to look at it as a different aspect of just not something I love to do, but hey, when you there's no fun and game in this anymore, you have this is what you're going to take care of your family doing. It was a little bit of I had grew up so fast that I forgot. I felt like I didn't. I made excuses for myself, and I didn't take for granted the opportunities that I had at the time and the maturity level that it took it takes to stay focused all year and not get off path and not listen to people back at the house or listen to the do's and don'ts. I, I've told people the biggest motivation is no and can't. The people that tell you no and the people that say you can't. And as a young guy, young, dang near young boy trying to raise a kid and wife and take care of his family and do right to then go out there and compete against the top guys in the world, the maturity level wasn't there to where it was now. And that's why after 15, 16, I'm sorry, 16, after I wrote 16, I 
it just felt like it was a run on run on sentence. I needed to just slow down and just get back to hanging out and enjoying being able to rope, finding a love for the sport again and, you know, going and hanging out with people that appreciated to just go have fun and go rope and not look at it like it was a do or die situation. And this year when I started back, I, t- I told my wife, you know, a lot of things came into our life this year. And I told her, I said, if the opportunity presents itself and I ever do rodeo again, my goal will not be to just make the NFR. And my goal used to be to make the NFR. And if you set your goal as high as it goes, as high as you can get there, at the top of all the goals, I mean, where that gold buckle is, if you fall short, you're not going to fall very far. If your goal is to just make the NFR and you fall short, you've wasted a lot of time, a lot of effort, a lot of money, a lot of time away from your kids, your family. That's not worth That's not worth the waste. I was grateful I made the NFR with all my partners and did good, but it wasn't the same. And now the maturity level of just, I've built a house this year. Uh, when, I quit, when I came home, I built an arena right here at my house. Just got down to finding back to where my horse, me, my, my wife, my kids, me, my, my kids wanted me to go this year. When I was young, did it, my son would be with me. It's, it's hard, and people don't realize. I got people that would tell me, man, I wish I could just go rodeo and hang out. It's not, there's no hangout. When you go to sleep at 7, 38, 39 o'clock at night, I'm driving 15, 16 hours to another rodeo and then driving the next night and the next night. And it's very – it gets exhausting, and you just – the maturity level has to be very high, and you can never think out route. And my heart wasn't wasn't in it like it needed to be back then. And I thought out route. I always thought about I could be doing something else. And this year, I never that's never crossed my mind. I've got kind of a two part question for you, Colby. You talked about those goals that you have and the goals that you've set, and you told your wife the goals of winning the world. Is there any other form of externalizing the expectations you have? I mean, is that writing them down and looking at them or what do you do to maintain the pace and the track that you're on to achieve those goals? Man, you just, you have to believe in yourself. I remember the fifth round, fourth, fifth round, I'd have people text me and say, well, you know, it was a big accomplishment to make the NFR. It's a big accomplishment to, you're going to do good. You'll finish it out and you'll have a good year. That takes the wind out of your sails. That's like mm. saying you're a failure to me when my goal was so high. People think they're just being nice and they're just motivating you and trying to help you and pump you up. But at this highest level, it's like that's the worst thing to hear. It's like you failed. And just being on TV is accomplishment. I never got off track. I mean, it did not do anything but literally – burn me up inside when I got those messages or people would tell me that. And I knew it in a good way that they meant no harm, but it just burnt me up because I didn't want to be that guy. I just, I wanted, I wanted this so bad. There's a certain few guys that have those things. And when you go somewhere, I want, well, that, that one night we won the go round. It was Chad Masters, Wesley Thorpe and Paul and me. And I'm the only guy standing up there without a gold buckle. Mm. But when you put all that into when you've thought about it, thought about it like that, and you literally you get by yourself and you drive a long ways, or you you miss a steer that was meant so much, and then you get to a point like that, and you're it's it's a great great time, great spot to be in. You've won the round, you're supposed to be happy, and you get up there and you look down that line and hand that mic, and I'm the only one without a gold buckle. I grew up. That's just 
it'll take the wind out of yourselves. You just have to believe. You cannot lose track. You have to believe in yourself. I don't care what anybody ever says or does or no matter what comes into your path, you cannot lose faith in what you believe in. If you think you're good enough and you know you're good enough deep down inside, stay focused. My second part of that question, the amount of pressure, excuse me, the amount of pressure that you put on yourself to perform. Obviously, whoever you're roping with has the same expectation on them. I feel like my heart's going to beat out of my chest when you're talking about all this sort of stuff. (laughs) Do you rope better under that sort of pressure or do you need to physically and mentally calm down before you back in the box and go? Well, I'll be honest with you, man. If a horse has a huge part of that and if you get up to go to work the next morning, say in the morning, you get up to go to work, and you can count on your truck to start no matter how much snow, how cold, how hot. You can count on it. It's going to do its job, and it's going to get you there. But you're in control of the situation. If you want to go off the road, okay, I'm going to go off the road for you. You want to stop, I'm going to stop for you. You want to go fast, you want to go down this road this far, I'm going to stay with you. I'm going to stay under you. I'm going to give everything I got until I run out of gas. But as long as you keep taking care of me, and you keep feeding me, and you keep confidence in me, and you keep filling me back up, I'm going to stay there for you. You manage your horses, they take care of you. It took me a long time to figure that out. Horse flesh is everything. I was very fortunate these last two years. I was very blessed. No matter what bartender is not good for other people or whatever, he I will forever be grateful that he gave me everything he had all year long. I rode him almost every steer till right here at the end. I did ride him every steer last year when I first got him. Wrote him and then I sold him. I was very fortunate. Got to win it, buy him back. And then this year, every steer, every steer I run, he took it. There's confidence there knowing that if I throw the ball, that he's going to catch it every time. And if you don't know that, you don't have that confidence, one of the one of those other top guys are going to have it no matter what. Tom Brady switches teams. He gets his main key players he needs. He's basically playing the Super Bowl. That's confidence. That's what you've got to have. When you take on an army, when you go, when you go to compete against the best guys in the world, confidence is key. Humbleness is huge. No matter what, every morning we wake up, we have to know that somebody is better and can do better than we can. Luke Brown is one of the best headers I've ever seen. He works harder at roping than anybody I know. He pushes me to work at my roping because I feel like when I talk to him, if I have not worked my butt off, then I'm not doing what it takes to compete with Luke Brown. And if you don't have that feeling inside of you, then there's no sense in doing it because in rodeo, if you're just half-assed, you're not nothing. The The way to get rewarded is to be on top. You know what? Let's pause right there and go to break. Hi, I'm NASCAR champion, Kurt Busch. Las Vegas is my hometown. I love representing Las Vegas out on the NASCAR circuit and all over the world. Uh, To me, racing at Las Vegas Motor Speedway is an awesome experience. It's a privilege to have such a great track as my hometown track and to win it this year in 2020 was an unbelievable experience that I'll never forget. And I'll never forget it because we didn't have race fans there. It was very difficult to celebrate in a normal way. And I hope that we're able to do that next year. But once racing season's over, I always turned my attention to the NFR. I love December and the National Finals Rodeo at the Thomas & Mack Center. That arena is always electric. It's always a fun atmosphere. And unfortunately, they won't be able to host the event this year. 
but we're keeping our spirits up. 2021, NFR will be back in Las Vegas. NASCAR will be back. And I hope that we will all be able to have our fans in attendance, enjoying the sports that they love. So whether we're racing, roping, or riding, I'm with you guys. Thanks to Las Vegas events, NFR, let's bring it on back. Las Vegas Motor Speedway, let's fill it up. Hey guys, I'm Shane Hanchy. Thank you for joining NFR Extra. We are talking to Wrangler NFR champ and eight-time qualifier Colby Lovell. It's been a year since we lost Kobe Bryant. This is going to what you're talking about, but I think this adds a lot to what you're talking about. And there's there's a documentary about him, and it was when he tore his Achilles tendon and you know really kind of took him off the track. Yep. He was talking two things. He was talking about a number one, what you're talking about, visualizing the win. Like he was like, I expected to be here, and like it, it, it you know. And I hear a lot of cowboys say that. And I'm like, okay, sure you did, you know, but did you really work for it? And he talks about what you were talking about, the sacrifice side of things. But the the other part was because it's two timelines, right? It's the timeline of the success and then that injury. But when he had that that torn that Achilles, they interviewed him right after in the locker room when they were interviewing him and asking about that in- injury. He was so pissed because he knew. At this point, he couldn't do anything about it, but yet he was already, he goes, I'm already visualizing where I'm going to be back with this, with this injury. I mean, he hadn't even, hadn't even been to the doctor, but he knew he couldn't walk. I mean, it was horrible. I remember him shooting the, the free throws, but this whole mindset of a champion, Jesus, Kobe, you embody this, man. Like, just listen to you talk. And it's no, it's, it's crazy what you learn. I mean, the biggest thing is when you let it slip away, when I, didn't finish, didn't do my job that first, the first time I had, it, almost exact same thing happened this year. I, I left the next day, my wife, I flew out on the plane and I was a little bit butthurt and sad, but I didn't really realize, honestly, I did not realize I'd rodeoed, it all just bleed, blended in together. I hadn't done it so much, so much had happened to me. It's not happened to me, but just with the factors of life growing up so young and just taking so much in and be trying to be perfect and be perfect, you know, as a, a dad, as a husband, a team roper and being 19 years old, 20, 21, 22, all that. And then it just started just going together and I lost focus. I lost purpose. And when I, I was about a month and a half after that, two months, I was, I'd been working that day and I haven't, it was very, very hot. And I was headed back home. I was probably three months. I set my, my, took my belt off and I set it up on the dash. And I was driving and I looked at my belt. And when I looked at it, I, my belt buckle, I looked at it and I said, what would it feel like to have a gold buckle looking at me right there? Oh. And I literally, I started tearing up. And I told myself, I, if I ever wrote you, ever go again, I want to do the best chance at this thing I can. You talk about the mentality, the emotions, the motivation. Who are some of those that have influenced you throughout your career? You talked about Pa and Luke Brown. If you could highlight Pa a little bit, I would love that. But who are those that have influenced you throughout this? I'll tell you what. I look, you have friends that you can fall back on and you can count on. And in, in rodeo, when I grew up rodeo and grew up roping, I healed forever. I always looked up to Mark Lucero. He was always so humble, and he always did his job. Luke Brown's always so humble. I love his family, his dad, Paul. I always liked talking to Turtle Pal. always enjoyed listening to him talk. They were all – all of the guys, everybody, Caleb Driggers, you know, Junior, everybody has a different aspect on winning or a focus that pushes them. When I look up to somebody, I've honestly 
if it wasn't for my son or my wife or my little girl coming home and seeing them and my little girl be three years old and call me crying, wanting to know where I am, you don't find a purpose in being out there if you don't believe in yourself to win a gold buckle. I mean, I'm very fortunate and lucky. My son, I have 11 acres and 135 cows and arena. And I've thanked him three or four times because if it wasn't for him, I probably wouldn't have all this. And I know I wouldn't have won a gold buckle because the maturity level it took for me to grow up and finally find out who I was and what my purpose was, I should have done a long time ago. You know, I had that buddy of mine that stepped into my life this last spring, his whole family, and he passed away. He was 20, 22 from cancer. And I got to talk to him late at night. He would text me 12, 30, 1 o'clock in the morning, wanting to know what my mindset would be like to get through hard times because his chemo would be making him so sick. And he knew that everything that he had was terminal. There was no light at the end of the tunnel. And he wanted to ask me what I would do to get through pain and rodeo when I wouldn't do good. And I would try to explain to him there's no comparison in that. And him tell me, well, you're what your rodeo and your rodeo career, what you do gives me light. That's what I've always wanted to do. That's what takes my mind off of things. And when you get to a spot at the end of the rainbow and you think about all the people and all the stuff you've done and the ups and downs and I never I never put it in perspective like that before. It just all was a run on sentence until I came home and I literally would think about my dad when I was young and he would drop me off at my grandma's and he worked at the prison and it would be 5.30, in the morning and I had one goat and all I could do was rope that goat to do anything during the day and then go back inside and him pick me up and go back to the house and rope the sawhorse. We had three, three steers for two or three, three years almost rope the same three steers. Wasn't a lot, wasn't able to give a lot, but he gave me as much as he could. And then I would come home, my mom, come back to, my mom, my stepdad over here, and my stepdad at the time had everything in the world to give and didn't want to give nothing. To put everything into perspective and to know that I let a lot of people down for the time that I used up of their time trying to get to where I was and then to get back to where I was this year. I mean, I had a guy text me in the fifth round or sixth, whichever round, the seventh round, he won the seventh round. He said, you need to lighten up, need to open up and be a little bit more, show more eagerness, be happier when you win the round. And a lot of, my phone was going crazy. And I saw that and I said, you know, I texted back. I said, you know, I've had a, I've had some bad, I've been some stuff happen this week with a bad call and I threw a bad head loop. I've worked all year for one thing. One thing's all I've thought about. I've literally almost been sick to my stomach thinking about it. And it comes down to this point, and you want me to be happy on stage in front of the whole world because I want to go round buckle. I can't express to you the how much I don't know how, like what made me bear down and dig down deeper and just want to try harder, knowing that I was that close and I had to press on the gas pedal and could not mess up. And the focus you ask about focus, the mentality, and to have so much confidence in my partner. I didn't want to hear that kind of stuff anymore. I don't like to, I mean, it's great to hear that from family and friends and, but when they tell you little things like that, it makes you feel like you're not good enough. Kind of, you're not good enough to win the world. And then when you say, I want to win the world and people say, Oh, well you can do it. Or, you know, it makes you feel like you're not good enough. And until you really actually do it, it's in the back of your mind. 
the whole time. So this whole year has been, I mean, with everything that went on this coming up year, I will forever be grateful for 2020. The people that stepped into my life, Cody being there and then telling me, writing it out as a Cinderella story, literally what he believed in and what he wanted me to do. And my wife staying here, putting this house together while I'm gone. My horse, my kids, you know, my little girl telling me her daddy's a world champion. My son wearing a backpack that says number 25 on it, going to the school the next day. I see that every morning he gets up. If you really bleed and breathe what you believe in, like Kobe Bryant or Michael Jordan, you're going to wake up and it's never going to leave. No matter where you turn around or what you see, it's going to be in front of you. That can be a burden on you that could last the rest of your life. Or you can set it aside and say, I give it everything I had. And I wasn't, I just, it didn't happen. I've had a great career. Everything's been good. I'm happy with what I've got and who I am. But I, this is where I'm at. All right, let's take one more break before we wrap this thing up. NFR Extra follows Cowboys, talks to legends and country stars, and finds the stories that make up the season that leads to the annual showdown in December. Follow me, Nevada Caldwell, Brylan Bentley, and Steve Goder as we delve deep into the stories in and behind the road to gold. Listen to NFR Extra on Rural Radio, channel 147 on Sirius XM, every Monday at 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 Eastern, with our re-air Tuesday in the same time slot. NFR Extra, all dirt, all rodeo, all year. Hey guys, I'm Nate Justice, four-time NFR bullfighter from Douglas, Wyoming, and I'm joining you on NFR Extra. We are hanging out with Colby Lovell. I think a lot of people had some 2020s that, while there was a lot of negative in there, I think it did. things went the way it should have when, while others it didn't. You love to go hog hunting. Is this something that is yeah. uh, a little bit of a, is that where you let loose and kind of release and just, it is. I go, you know, a lot of people go hog hunting. They go to, and I enjoy going and getting a, and catching a hog. I've done it for so long. When people go to talking to me about hog hunting, I cut my teeth doing it. I've been doing it. I've been raising my own dogs. This will be 21 years. It's something I very, I take pride in. I believe in. I've never bought one. Every dog I have at my house, I've raised out of dogs that I've had, my dogs. When I go hog hunting, I take young dogs. I see the different generations as them grow up, and that's what I enjoy doing. My little girl loves to go do it. My son, we go, and it's something we can go do, and no, and nobody can get to me or get to us. It literally takes – it can take my mind off of everything because it puts into a competition part of still the willing to win and the race. I know it's weird sounding that, but when you go and do it, it gives you a little bit of satisfaction of gratitude that, well – I'm still doing good things, raising dogs. I'm able to go catch hogs, go hunting, and takes my mind off things. And I love to do it. What are the challenges that, like, because we, I mean, because you know, the, the the normal person listening, like, man, what do you do to hog hunt? Like, what what does that all entail? What's kind of like the the little bit of the the two minute Colby pitch of hog hunting? Man, I got my grandpa when he was in his twenties, bought some land on the river, and when we go hunting, we have a good time. If I've got a buddy or two that lives here that I've grown up hunting with, honestly, it gets pretty bronchy and pretty wild, but we've all, all are kind of adrenaline junkies. 
we get a good laugh out of something that can kind of get you or somebody getting in a half of a wreck or a bind and man we just have a good time and go hunting family and friends and might walk in there with a rope and say we're gonna catch this big old big big hog and it'll get sketchy but i mean so talking to the guy that has this expectation on himself and a level of determination and dedication and a self-admitted adrenaline junkie that'll go rope a big hog is there something that just terrifies you man something happening to one of my kids or my wife that's about it yeah there's there's no taking taking that away maybe maybe my kids growing up now in this country in this world (laughs) yeah gosh Uh, dang it a little scary but as far as like outside i mean no we've picked all my brothers 11 months younger than me and we've picked on each other so much with snakes and spiders and everything and ever since i've been young i've wanted to try to rope everything people don't realize whatever you rope if it's never been roped before they're gonna stay on the end of the rope i don't care if it's a lion a bear or whatever that is awesome man you i want it's so cool you we ask that question to everybody that comes on here and that by far is the more logical. I mean, to me, and you're talking to two parents here and Steve, myself, I mean, they're you hundred percent couldn't even imagine that is probably the worst fear. The other ones that if we add to, uh, we've heard everything from snakes to train tracks that they fear. And, uh, I've just grown up doing all kinds of stuff, man. Like for fun, it's, in high school, I had two buddies. We'd go hog hunting without flashlight, you know, oh, with geez. our dogs. You know, just use our cell phone light. And we always used to get a, a good tickle out of that. We used to race horses without bridles on them uh, in hay pastures. Man. You know. Just, no way. We, so, I don't know. It just That's something we enjoy. I mean, that's what we've always – we've always tried to take to the next level. Mm. You know, we've gotten older now, but we still, I mean – we still have a good time. I mean, and the younger, the younger generation around here tries to do that. And it's a great watching. I mean, heck I go and love watching it. Yeah. There's a certain level of cowboy that not everybody's cut out for. <laughs> well, I don't know if you'd call it. I mean, it, I don't know what you would call it. We just like, I don't know. We've just always enjoyed that part of it. I've always just looked at it. If something's going to happen, it's going to happen. And I've had some crazy stuff. I've been drugged by a horse. I mean, I've had some stuff happen kill a weaker man but i don't know well you know it's just fun we like we like around here we like that kind of, i mean the boys i hunt with the guys i hang out with we like that yeah that's that's definitely positive things for a good time but like i said i mean not everybody can can be cut out i to, love taking i love stuff. to take somebody that's never been hunting and and try to and take them in there and it'd be a big hog and see the, how nervous and scared they are tickles the heck out of me i took some guys last year from utah and i turned around there both up a tree we were 40 or 50 yards from the hog I'm like, what are y'all doing like yeah we, we're gonna stay right here i'm like we're not even close to the hog yet <laughs> i like that kind of stuff yeah i wouldn't say those guys are chicken but they sure as hell have henhouse ways well i wouldn't say they're chicken they might be smarter but <laughs> you know <laughs> I mean, the first year I made the NFR, I had a buddy. We got after a hog, and he was on a two-year-old running wide open, and it ran into a tree with him and knocked him out. I thought it killed him. I was videoing it, and I walked up there and was videoing him, and he, and the dog and the hogs were going on. And, heck, we went ahead and caught the hog because we knew if we didn't catch the hog, and we weren't going to get the dogs back. And we come back four or five minutes later, he was still knocked out. 
when he come back too, I told him, I said, you got to be okay. We can't, I can't call these people and get an ambulance or anything in here because they will never be able to hunt again down in here. They'll never be too much of a liability. So I said, if it's a liability, they're going to worry about insurance and all that. I said, I don't care if you got a broke neck, whatever. You got to ride your horse out of here. Walk it off. (laughs) They played that at the NFR. Oh, my gosh. Hey, uh, you know, Colby, I, man, want to thank you for coming this by far, man. Uh, you know, we always have entertaining guests. We got to get you back on here. I mean, first of all, thank you for coming on. You got, I mean, you have oh, a hell of a 2020, man. Jeez. Man, yeah. I, I love, I mean, it's such a, I didn't like talking about it before because it was on my mind constantly. And now it's such a relief that I, it's almost like a Cinderella story. I've thought about it so much that I don't mind. I'm proud to talk. I mean, not proud. I mean, I, I just, the ups and downs. It's crazy. Uh, well, we, we're looking forward to sharing this uh, this conversation, man. But we really appreciate you coming on and, and chat with us. This was a lot of fun. You bet, man. I, I appreciate y'all having me and taking the time, man, to listen. Absolutely. We, you bet you, man. We're going to have to dive into another episode of uh, hog hunting and wild stories with world champion Colby Lovell. Why don't y'all just fly down here and I'll make a hunt and y'all won't even have to say anything. We'll let the video do the talking. Sounds good to me. I'm in. I'm in. Y'all just fly down here and just make sure you got plenty of footage. And I might make y'all sign. Nowadays, I make people, I'm like, hey, you got to sign this before you go with me. (laughs) I'm probably not going to be riding a two-year-old for sure. I know that one. one. Uh, well, we can find one if you want to, or if you want to race a horse across hay pasture without a bridle, we can make it happen. I'm good, man. I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> All right. Well, thank y'all very much for having me. Yes, sir. Too, thank you, Kobe. Appreciate you, man. Yes, sir. Y'all be careful. All right, Desperados, last call. I haven't been this excited for 21 since I myself was 20. Because all of this just... It it is last call. The only problem is we're sober. Exactly. Let's do this. All All right, friends. This is Steve Godert joining me right now, my good buddy, Andy Seiler. What's shaking, my man? You know, I was thinking about this the other day. I mean, I hate going through cliche superstitions, but the one thing that I've always had a huge question about is there's always the hat on the bed. You know, some people don't eat bananas or chicken before they compete. I want to know why in the hell bull riders will wear the same nasty pair of jeans for like 12 rodeos in a row. They'll show up dressed to the nines, brand new hat. But why would you wear the same nasty pair of jeans for like a month straight? I don't know that one at all. I, it does make, I mean, they're always like bigger jeans, which would allow mobility. Right, right. I get that. And maybe they just have that feel or the funk or whatever on them. They've got the funk. I mean, there's, de- there's definitely yeah. a funk, but. Yeah, it's not good. It's no. definitely not sanitary. No. I don't want to get too far into that. I, Why? the bull, the bull riding thing is funny to me. Like the guys that obviously just like anything else, there's levels, but the guys that have the look, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. They just, man, I come and got up oh, and I reach in. It's like, fool, you didn't even ride past the first jump. 
Well, see, I thought I maybe thought change your pants. Well, I was I thought what you were gonna say is the guy that does the air bull ride, like to warm that, himself yeah. up. You know, yeah. I mean, he does like the ten second behind the shoots, like and and here's the thing. They're preparing for the bull that spins to the left, but what happens mm. if he blows and goes right? You know, I mean, that that's the question not, I've always had about that. Don't let the looks fool you. I'm not a bull rider, so I couldn't tell. I sure, sure, yeah. So no, I don't know this, that this that the jeans is an awkward deal because you know, I mean, like just that bull funk on their back mm. that is now on your jeans that you pack around. Like that's got some. Mm-hmm stank to it yeah i mean it's it's almost like you might have to take a shot of ivermectin before you even ride you know just to yeah. make sure you don't get wormy yeah well and the hat deal i've it's weird because i don't know what that is or where you know they can say because it'll whatever you know but it, it still freaks me out like i'll see my wife put a hat even a ball cap or something on the bed i'm like oh boy let's deal with this right now i just I, don't know that's never been my i i still i don't do the hat thing sure. just because it's no bad and, policy, and and I get that, you know, because there's certain guys that they they lay their hat upside down because supposedly you don't want the luck to come out of it. I don't I don't go that far, you know. I I wherever you need a hat to sit comfortably, you know, on the dresser or whatever the dash of your truck, if that's what you're doing, that's fine. But yeah. I'm with you. I don't put my hat on the bed, but I have seen multiple times, and it doesn't matter the size of the rodeo. There are guys that look like they have a hat that they just pulled from underneath the back seat of their truck and their dog's been sitting on it. But that's always the guy that can come out and just beat your ass. Just <laughs> He's got a smushed hat, but he came here to party. Also oh. known as Will Lowe. <laughs> There's some truth to that. There's yeah. some truth to that. Maybe that's like his genes. Like this, this bad cat's taking me to how many world championships? She stays like she is. Yeah, I'm just going to keep wearing it. Many thanks to Colby Lovell for joining us on NFR Extra. Want to experience more of NFR? Then visit nfrexperience.com. And we invite you to subscribe to NFR Extra on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you're listening right now. If you like what you've heard on NFR Extra, we would love it if you gave us a big five-star rating and tell your friends how to subscribe. NFR Extra. All dirt. All rodeo. All year. And the bulls and the browns And the ladies in the skin-tight wranglers And the cowboy hats